Hey guys, it's your boy Charles here, and welcome to another episode of SEOology, where we discuss the formulas and strategies for generating more organic traffic, leads, and sales. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, Luke. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about site speed, how you need to improve your site speed and why it's so important for your SEO and user experience. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, Luke, how's it going? Going very well. Thank you, Charlie. So uh, you're looking very tropical there at the moment. Yes, we are. We're in a we're in a new location now. Uh, we uh, I'm 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 in Bali, um, so I'm getting closer to you, Luke. We're uh, time zone difference wise, we're uh, we're not too far apart now. So we're not having to. Uh, previously, guys, we had to like try and figure out the time zone differences to get these episodes recorded. Uh, but now we're it's a it's a lot easier. So. Uh, yeah, all good. All good. Can't complain. I was able to escape um, the lockdown in the UK, luckily, um, and it was a little bit of an interesting, it's a long way. It's a long way. Lots of different things to get here, but I'm here. We're settled and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's a good place to be. So um, time to, uh, to get into some work mode. Yeah, it's about that time. What about yourself? How's things? Ah, yeah, good. Good. Yeah, no, everything's going well here. Thank you. It's um, still enjoying the Australian summer. So um, we're still touch wood, relatively free to move around and stuff at the moment. So hopefully that continues for a while. We can continue to enjoy a, a normal Christmas and a bit of a summer summer season. So yeah, hoping that that's going to be okay for the next little while. So enjoying it while we can currently. Got a couple of interesting topics to discuss today. Like Charles said, we're talking about predominantly page speed of your or the site speed of your website and how that then obviously impacts the performance of your website as well. So we might get you to introduce each of the topics and then I can chip in and we can have a bit of a chat of about course. it. Yeah, so the first one we've got on our list here is is optimizing your web images. So look, if you wanted to just go through why that is so important and what you can do to effectively optimize your images for site speed. There's quite a few different angles to approach this one from. Um, I guess the basic first step is to when you're creating, especially if you're managing your site itself, this is kind of relevant to those people who are uploading their own images but if you have a web developer that's looking after your site it's important to understand this as well so that you can then convey this information to your web developer or check your own website um, to see whether or not your web developer has done these things but the first one is making sure that you've resized your images to you know close to the appropriate size to what they need to be as they appear on your on your site a lot of people when they're managing if they're using a page builder and they're adding a blog post or they're creating a page or a section themselves a lot of the builders these days will resize the images visually on the the page itself but the actual file size like the megabytes and the actual diameter and, and widths of those page of those images are actually still really big in the background it's just that the web browser has shrunk them down visually so that they look smaller but they're still a really big file size. So it's important for step one to uh, reduce that file size in something like Photoshop or any other image editor that you might have 
make sure the dimensions if you're if it's going to be appearing at six or eight hundred on your screen make sure it's around six or eight hundred in size when you export it from photoshop especially with photos a lot of people will load up a four thousand pixel wide image that's you know three four five megabytes sometimes and they upload it to a site and then they're like, why is my page loading so slow? And your poor page is sitting there trying to load up seven five <laughs> megabyte files and you're downloading 35 meg just to have one small page with a little image gallery on it. So that's, I guess, the first step in uh, resizing your images. There are, especially if you've got WordPress as well, um, there are some plugins that can also assist. So they do a, a couple of interesting things. One is they will limit the upload size. So if you try uploading a really big image, it'll say, eh, no, that image is too big, resize it and try again. Um, plugins like Smoosh, uh, that's a good one that we've used from time to time to compress things down. You can set maximum file uploads in that. Um, the other thing is they will actually compress run some software and compress the images you upload a bit as well to make them smaller in file size again, even after you've already exported them uh, without losing any quality so that they're still clear and they still look good, but the actual file size is smaller uh, when you upload them to your page. Um, there's a couple of other little things there as, as well with images. There are software platforms out there that allow you to connect your website to their website and they will actually scan your site for the images and they will actually do their own optimization again, like almost a third layer of optimization. And they will then even detect where the, your website visitor is from, what their internet connection is like, and they will actually serve the scaled image, the appropriately scaled image based on your website visitors location and internet speed so that they're getting the optimum speed of the page loading and the viewing of the image as possible, which is a really cool thing as well. Typically what I've done in the past within Photoshop, there is actually, um, I think if you go to file, you could actually save for the web. Um, now I would obviously suggest that you, you, you actually reduce the size of those images down like Luke mentioned to the correct dimensions, but then doing the Photoshop aspect and then using the, one of the plugins as well that's going to really reduce the actual size down, but keeping, like, like you said, keeping that that quality um, yeah. and making sure that that page loads as fast as it can do. Because images is probably, arguably, one of the number one things, isn't it, for for websites in terms of site speed and and, and how it can really slow a site down. Yeah, especially if you've got a big banner across the top, or you've got gallery or you've got several images going down the page as well yeah super important next one on the list we've got is reducing redirects um now this sort of relates a little bit to to the seo side of things but basically when we talk about re redirects we're talking about what's called 301 redirect so if you have created say uh, a new url for a page you need to redirect the old url to the new URL. Now, redirect like loops happen when you've already redirected once and then you create a newer version again and then you redirect again. And if you constantly create these loops, it can really slow your, your loading speed. Uh, and it's, it's 
not really best practice. So that's something that um, you really need to consider uh, when you're when you're actually you know looking at site speed optimization. Yeah, it um, it happens a lot as well. If you set up a, a secure certificate and you're redirecting from HTTP to HTTPS, particularly if your website's default root directory is set at uh, www or non www version of that URL, and sometimes you get uh, the www version of the HTTP might redirect to the non www version of the HTTP. So we're talking about the address bar, so HTTP dot dot slash slash www dot or without the www. Then that can be one redirect. Then the the HTTP version of the WW can redirect to the HTTPS version. <laughs> and so you can end up with two or three redirects sometimes yeah. if that hasn't been configured correctly. Um, and yeah, I think there are tools out there. One I use a lot is GTmetrics, uh, gtmetrics.com. You can put your website URL into that and it'll actually tell you if you have redirects and it will tell you the actual chain of the redirect as well. This is the first one, this is the second one, this is the third one. And you can actually go to your web developer and say, is there a reason why there's <laughs> three redirects before my site loads up? Yeah. Try and load it again, then it redirects, tries to load it again, then it redirects, you know, it can cause a two, two second delay, one or two second delay sometimes. Yeah, for sure. No, GT Metrics is great. I think that there's other ones out there. Obviously, you've got Google's own tool, you've got Pingdom, but uh, I think it's widely recognized across a lot of digital agencies that they typically use GT metrics. It just seems to go, to go into a lot more detail, doesn't it, in terms of the data available? I find GT metrics pro provides a lot more um, interpretable insight, whereas the Google page speeds gives you a bunch of stuff that's wrong, but it doesn't necessarily tell you very clearly how to fix it. Um, a mm. lot of times, a lot of stuff like if you've got, uh, say, Google Tag Manager or you've got Analytics or you've got a bunch of Google tags on your um, website, Google's own site speed checker will tell you to update the codes, that the codes are causing your site to be slow. <laughs> so, and, you know, unless you're deciding that you want to take analytics off and you don't care about your analytics anymore, that's not really an option to increase your page score. Like, you still want your analytics on there. So the fact that they're like, this code is causing your... Your, your site ranking to have a better, a lower score on the Google page speed scorer. Um, you can spend hours and hours trying to get your score up from a, you know, a C to a B or something, but sometimes it doesn't even affect the actual speed of the site, which is um, something that's probably important to mention as well. If you are exploring some of these tools like Pingdom or GT metrics or Google page speed insights is sometimes you fix these things and you get a better score, but your site might actually load slightly slower. It's yeah, yeah, really, yeah. you really got to test the score versus speed ratio um, yeah. and make sure that the things you're doing are actually speeding up your site. Oh, for sure. I think the whole, in terms of any tool you're using, they're never fully 100% accurate in terms of the data they're providing. And really, it's all about testing and trying it out and, and seeing that, you know, the real life version, you know, does it load in a quick manner? Do you think it loads in a quick manner? Because you sometimes can get uh, a report that comes back and says your site loads in 12 seconds when in reality it actually loads in four. So, yeah, yeah there's, you're, you're definitely right there that you need to really test it first uh, and don't believe everything that these tools say. Yeah. Number three, we've, 
we've got um, enable caching plugin. Yeah, so this is a little bit technical and I don't really have a good way to describe it in, a, <laughs> in an easy way, but you know, your caching is basically when you load up a website, the very first time you visit it, it needs to load up the images, load up the text, load up the HTML code, load up any scripts that are on your website. Like I mentioned before, if there's Google Analytics or maybe there's a chat widget or there's a Facebook pixel or there's something else that you put a YouTube embed code, all of these things need to load up. What caching is, is that your browser, your website browser that you're using, whether it's Chrome or Firefox, um, unless you're in an incognito window, um, will actually store some of that data in the browser so that if you leave that website and come back again, you know, a day later, a few hours later, whenever, it doesn't actually have to go through and load up every single one of those things again. So there are some plugins that you can use with WordPress and other platforms as well that actually configure the different parts of your site that don't change very often so that when people come back to your site, it loads up like in a flash because it's basically already there. It doesn't actually have to load anything up. It's stored in your browser. Um, and so that's yeah something that's super important in increasing your page speed. It does mean though, if you are someone who edits your own website or your web developer makes a change, that you also need to flush that that cache out <laughs> to get rid of all of that old stuff because if you've changed your header image or you've changed the page layout, sometimes it gets stuck and you might be clicking save and clicking refresh and you're like, I've changed that image. Why is it still the old image? That's because it's stuck in the cache and sometimes that needs to be cleared or flushed um, so that those changes will appear, which is usually you can do just by holding down the shift key and hitting refresh. That will force the changes to come through um, in most, most instances. So on to number five, which is not using uh, a website website template or a WordPress template when you're creating your website. Yeah, I think when we talk about WordPress templates here, we're probably more talking about a subset of a, a type of WordPress template. So a lot of companies who create these templates try to cater for the widest possible audience. So they'll build a template that has, you know, large amounts of functionality, large amounts of required plugins that need to link with that template for the template to actually work. Um, they've, they've, and it's obviously with the best of intentions, they've tried to build a product that suits everyone. Obviously, if you're a small, um, a small local business, you probably don't need booking functionality, or you probably don't need a, a directory where you're needing to filter a bunch of properties or a bunch of services or those types of things. However, a lot of these themes will come with a lot of that functionality. And a lot of the time, that means that even if you're only using a very small portion of that theme to make your homepage look a certain way or to make a gallery look a certain way, there's a lot of extra code in that theme just lying there that loads up every time that isn't probably needed for your specific purpose. So you're much better off getting either a theme builder. Um, some of those can be a bit sluggish as well, um, admittedly, but you, uh, you're at least then just building the bits that you need and the page is only loading up the functionality that's required on that page and it's only loading up the bits of code and the page elements that are needed on that page rather than something spinning away in the background that is taking a long time to load up that isn't actually even used at all on the page. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, typically when you get these, like you said, when you get these templates, they are, they've created every possible template, which, you know, even if you don't have those pages live, they're loading in the background and that's slowing the site down. And often the more plugins you have, the more WordPress plugins you have, the more likelihood there's something that's going to break at some point. Um, yeah. So I think I can understand why why companies do it, certainly when they're starting out, because it can be a more cost-effective way of doing it. Um, you know, typically when you're using a template, it's, it's cheaper. Uh, even if you're outsourcing that out to an agency, it's going to be quicker for them to, to actually build that. But yeah. equally, if you can go down the custom route, then in the long term, that's going to be a much better way because you're building with a with a smaller foundation and you're not starting with this sort of monster template and then trying to break it down to improve your site speed. So yeah, that's definitely um, an, an important thing to think about for sure um, when you're deciding on what, you know, what route you want to take with your website. Yeah, it's better to want to or need to add things in as your company grows as opposed to taking them all out at the start to see what you need at the beginning. Yeah, sure. Number six, we've got here, use a CND for your images or also for your, your whole site. Or a CDN. CDN works well. Sorry, well. CDN. CDN. <laughs> did I say CND? I did see CND. Yeah, sorry. A con yeah, content delivery network. A, CN a CND. Getting my, getting my, uh, my letters the wrong way around there. Yeah, so obviously CDN, as Charles just said, stands for Content Delivery Network. And um, as the name suggests, it's a network that delivers content. Um, so you might have uh, a business based in, for example, Bali or Australia, where we are at the moment, um, and your customers might be in Iceland. And you might take two or three seconds longer potentially for your website to load up in Iceland than it does in Bali or Australia. So a content delivery network is a business that has servers all around the world and stores your the files of your website in a particular location, server, space, and it will actually deliver a version of your website that is on a server closest to the person who is loading up your website. So if that person is in Iceland, the content delivery network will find a server nearby and say, you access the website through this server and it will load up faster than if it had to go and load up the site from its original location. So it's basically, I know some people call it mirroring, I guess. I don't know if that's still a term that's used today. It definitely was 20 years ago. But it's creating multiple versions of your site that all read from the main version but get presented to different people in different locations to increase the site speed. Number seven, using CSS for design elements where possible. Yeah. Um, when I first created my first website back in 1997, we basically created all of the all of the elements of the site as an image. So your menu button would be an image. Your, um, your text sometimes was even images because it was easier to align text in something like Photoshop and just export the image than it was trying to align the text as text on the page. Every single element would be an image. Obviously, a few years later, the cascading style sheets or the CSS became a thing. 
and all of a sudden you could do gradients and you could do borders and you could do different colors and you could do block backgrounds and all of that sort of stuff using style sheets and CSS, which loads up very, very quickly. So rather than your background, say you uploaded a texture background as an image, the pages we mentioned in step one would have to load up that image as part of the page loading speed. Whereas if you have a gradient or a texture as a CSS bit of code, it'll load up in a millisecond. Uh, it doesn't need to load that image. So whether you've got a border under your menu, whether it's a box around an image, whether it's a drop shadow, whether it's, you know, whatever the, the design element is, if you can do it in CSS, always do it in CSS rather than try and do it as an image um, because it will save you having to load up all of those different images and it will load up much, much faster. That's great. That's uh, I think that's, you know, a super important thing that going down into the, you know, I know we, we're probably delving in, guys, to more of the, the technicality of things, but uh, all of these things that we're talking about, you know, that this can be helped using a, if you've got a web designer or developer on your team, or even if you haven't, all of these things can be effectively outsourced. I think the main thing is you're, you you first highlight what needs to be done. And again, the tools that we mentioned, like GT Metrics, uh, Pingdom.com, Google, these all can uh, establish what needs to be done, which you could then pass on to uh, you know, yeah, the absolutely. get the job done. Um, you don't need to know the intrinsic uh, details of every single aspect of what we're talking about here today. But I think just knowing what can be done to improve your site speed is the first step. And that can be. As I always say, it's best to try and find an expert to help you uh, improve your site speed. Yeah, definitely with the technical stuff, you probably don't want to jump in and try doing that yourself. (laughs) So number eight, we've got down, making sure that you've got good web hosting. Why, Luke, is that so important? Yeah, for me it's important because if you've got a cheap host, obviously by a scale of economy in order to maintain their servers and their network infrastructure and all of those sorts of things. If you're only paying a a small amount or a cheap amount for your website hosting, more often than not, you're going to have a lot of other websites also on that same server. Most, most people I know will have it be on a shared server. You know, if they've got a dedicated server, you're paying hundreds of dollars a month. Most people, if they're paying between five and $30 a month will be on a shared a shared server. So if you're if you're only paying five four or five bucks a month, the odds are there's going to be a lot of other sites on that server, which means that's going to impact the performance of that server. Um, so having a good web host, it also means there'll be less people on there. So there'll be less drag and less load on the server. But the quality web hosts will also make sure your site loads faster. They'll also have security scanning on their on their server. They'll have good support. So there's a lot of benefits outside of just uh, site speed, but oftentimes a really cheap server is good to get your site up and running, but it does mean that your site might take a few seconds longer to load because there's a whole bunch of other stuff on there that probably isn't on a slightly more expensive server or a slightly better server. And it's not always down to cost either. Like there are some $6 a month um, hosts that are absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure there's some $30 a month hosts that are subpar. Um, 
hard to tell if you don't know much about servers, but just you can Google who is a good web host online and you'll get thousands of reviews from people that have opinions from everywhere uh, for all different types of sites and all different types of things. Um, but yeah, I think having making sure that the hosting company you go with, you do your research, you make sure that they have fast loading speeds, that they're, um, that they're actually configured to work well with WordPress. If you're having a WordPress website, some uh, other hosts haven't got the bits and pieces, the nuts and bolts behind the scenes tweaked and optimized to present a WordPress website as fast as a WordPress optimized host, little things like that. And is there uh, a few hosting providers that you, you would recommend? I know obviously it's based on, typically uh, I would always suggest to my clients they find uh, a hosting provider that's in their country or yeah. has you know uh, hosting solutions within that country. Uh, but is there any go-to uh, providers that you would say for any company, whether they're in America, Australia, uh, UK, Canada, et cetera, or, or across Europe, is any ones that you use in particular? Yeah, we use we use SiteGround for all of our hosting, SiteGround.com. Um, they have data center in Europe, in the States, in Asia, and in Australia. So depending on where you are, that may or may not work for you. Um, WP Engine is another one I've heard is really, really good. I haven't used it myself, and it is a little bit more on the pricier side. I think it's 30 bucks plus a month um, for WP Engine. Um, they would be, they're the two that I hear a lot of good things about. I've used a lot of others in the past. Um, probably most of the popular ones people would have heard about, and I can say hands down that SiteGround has been without doubt the best experience I've ever had with a hosting company. Um, not just from the ease of use of their interface and their platform, but their chat support and their technical support. You're talking minutes every single time you need help and they help you out straight away. There's no going onto a chat line or calling a 1-800 international number and spending 45 minutes waiting for the phone to be answered or an hour waiting for your chat with it to pop up. And then you get disconnected and then you got to start again. Like None of that. So it's all just very smooth sailing. So, they're my go-to guys. They offer um, quite a cheap uh, first 12 months. It does get more expensive after that 12 months. Um, but they yeah, get you in on a, a cheap 12-month one, and then it goes up a little bit more after that. But, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, we, I actually use SiteGround uh, for our for our own agency website and some of our clients as well when we've, when we've uh, you know, we're using and managing uh, our client campaign. So that's clearly a good one. If we're both, because we, we've not talked about this one before. Uh, the fact that we're, so uh, I was going to say, good, good marketing for SiteGround here. We're not, we're not affiliate, affiliate providers. <laughs> but yeah, guys, I, I, I'd say SiteGround's good. I've, I've used um, Namecheap before, but I've found that they were okay. I have uh, a number of our domains hosted with, with Namecheap, uh, but we don't necessarily use them for for our actual hosting as such. So, so we're on to number nine now, which is the furloughing of JS and Google fonts, which JS, I'm assuming Java. from your notes, Luke, JavaScript. Yes. And again, this one's a bit techy, so this is probably something that you can pass along to your web developer. Um, it's just good. I figure we just talk about these things. They're all things that affect the speed of your website. And as a business owner or as a blogger or whoever you are and whatever type of website you have, this probably isn't going to make a lot of sense. But if you do have a developer 
or you do have a, um, a plugin that allows you to configure certain things, you will recognize some of these things we talk about in that plugin. Um, and you can also pass this on to your developer as well and say, hey, can you check this out to make sure our site is doing this? Um, so deferring the load of JavaScript um, and Google fonts, basically, if you're using a lot of different Google fonts on your site, each one of those fonts needs to load up from, in its basic form, from the Google server, which you think would be fast, but it's not that fast. Um, you can host Google fonts on your own web server as well, but that requires, um, again, a developer to do some tricky stuff to actually manually put those fonts on your own server and then host them there, and then you need to change the code so that it loads up from your own server instead of from Google servers and that type of thing. Um, but what the deferring of the loading of that means is, so the way a website loads up is that it's, it goes through all of the different phases. So it loads up your code, your JavaScript, your images, your text. Sometimes a page won't actually load up until all of those bits and pieces are in place. So it'll just be blank. All this stuff will be loading in the background. It'll be blank, 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 blank. Then it goes ding, all right, everything's loaded up now, great. And then it goes boom, and all of a sudden the site is loaded and it pops up all at once. By deferring certain things, it means, right, I don't have to wait for the, the Google Analytics code to load up before I load up the header image. I don't have to wait for the Montserrat, don't actually know if that's a Google font, a Google, a Google font to load up before the next, I don't need to wait for the chat widget to load up before my introductory paragraph of text appears. You can actually put a little bit of um, code in those JavaScript things, which is called an asynchronous code, which means it doesn't need to all load at the same time in, synchroni in synchronization. It can load up in little bits and the page will load up a lot faster because it's loading up like the text will load up straight away because it's not waiting for anything else. The CSS will load up straight away because it's not waiting for anything else. And I guess a little bit, it's a little bit tricky because it sometimes appears that your site is loading faster, but the actual time isn't necessarily that much faster. But to the user looking at the site, they can see things happening and they can start reading and they can start seeing your design elements. Um, and we're talking, you know, fractions of a second here. We're talking the difference between one and three seconds probably. Um, but everything, every little bit um, counts when you're, you've only got someone's attention for two or three seconds before they go to your competitors. So um, yeah, just adding that little async code into your JavaScript allows certain things to load up in the background that aren't actually affecting the main page from displaying in the browser. Is there any tools that people could use to find that script or is it best giving that to uh, your web developer to, to figure out and, and sort out? Yeah, it's actually, um, it's it's quite easy, but definitely get a web developer to do it. You just, uh, you literally put like async in the actual JavaScript tag, like in the script tag. <laughs> And that's what that's what does it. So um, yeah, I definitely get a developer to look at it. But yeah, quick Google as well if you want to have a crack at it yourself. Sometimes if you have a, a very complex form or you have something that actually needs something else to load up first, um, and you async it, it can actually cause that to break as well. So it's important to go through and test everything once that's been done to make sure that something isn't trying to load that actually did need something to load before it that's now loading after it. So. We're finally on to our last one, our last point, which is uh, disabling emojis and heartbeat on WordPress. Uh, 
you've got down yeah so this is a very specific one that i've only come across recently and again i am not the uh the expert in wordpress emojis or their heartbeat monitoring system um but basically wordpress has a few little scripts that run all the time across the site so one is the emojis in case you want to put a smiley face in the text that you're writing now not a lot of businesses I know want to put a smiley face or a you know an eggplant emoji in their uh, in their text. So, but what happens is that emoji library is always there in case someone wants to do that, so that you can then insert that emoji into that page. So WordPress actually has that running all the time. So you can actually disable that if you're like, look, I'm never going to use a smiley face in my like an actual yellow smiley face in my text. Uh, I'll turn that off. Heartbeat is their monitoring system. Now, I can't remember specifically exactly what this monitors, but that's also running a lot of the time across the site, checking the performance of your website, making sure everything's running, um, the ins and outs of that sort of stuff. Again, not entirely sure what Heartbeat monitors. I just know from all of the, the page speed improvements we've been making, everyone's like, you don't need it, turn it off. And I think it came out in um, version 5.4, so it's only been a recent thing of WordPress. But there are a couple of little things that you can turn off. A lot of caching plugins will have the setting to turn those off as well. Um, and a lot of site speed, there's a couple of site speed plugins out there as well. Um, Asset Manager is one, I think, that allows you to turn things on and off on various pages so that you're not always loading the same stuff on every single page. If the page doesn't need a bit of code, it doesn't load up that bit of code. Um, but yeah, WordPress specifically, these two things um, help increase the page speed as well. Well, I think that that finishes off our top 10 list. Um, what we're going to do, guys, I think... Sorry, Luke? I think number four. We, did we miss number four? Uh, we yes. did, yes. Apologies. So we're, we're, we're actually <laughs> number nine. Um, uh, it must be the uh, the humidity and the barley weather. I'm, uh, I'm not quite with it today. So uh, number four is don't have a full-size promo video um, or, or flash video, which I would hope uh, most companies don't use flash now, uh, but I have still seen it. Um, did you want to talk about a little bit about I think that, Luke? Flash is being wiped out this year, isn't it? Or 2021 is the end of, is the end of flash? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't believe that a lot of browsers still still use uh flash i didn't yeah. know that so i think it doesn't even work yeah you just get a big uh please install flash to display this but no one could install it anymore. yeah um yeah well, again with the with the full size video if you've got a huge video in the top header of your file and it's you know a 20 meg file that's loading up and even if it's just playing a 10 or 15 second loop you might be better off replacing that video with either a shorter, very well optimized video that is maybe super compressed and you might have a color over it so you can't tell if it's not quite, you know, 4K, 60 frames per second video. Or if you're having a, a video further down the page, sometimes you might want to just make the, the thumbnail an image and then you click the image because the image will obviously load up much quicker. And then the person's in the mindset of, right, a video is about to load. So they're actually more patient at that point waiting for the video to pop up load up and play um, instead of them waiting for that video to load up when they're still up the top of the page and they haven't even realized there's a video further down the page there. Um, so that's just a couple of little things with videos. Um, 
not the best to have a full HD 60 frames per second 4K video this wide. This wide. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's, a, there's, there's, there's not really a need for it. I don't think it, it, it has any improvement on the design aspect and it's only going to slow your site down. Uh, I mean, simply having a video uh you know at the top of the website maybe to the right hand side and some copy on the left hand side is going to deliver the same result as having a full scale um you know video that's going to take up half of the page it's um not the uh the best look and certainly will not help your site speed was there any other points that we've we've not covered uh i know we've gone through our top 10 list anything else luke that you can think of um that could possibly help the guys out there improve their their site speed um i think we've covered all the main ones i think images is probably the biggest one that's the biggest culprit i see we have clients over and over and over again just uploading massive images to their website um you know we went we touched on a bunch of really technical stuff uh, which is great for you to know and send on to your developer to check. But the main one is the videos and the images, just not having thousands of images, not having uh, graphic design elements that could be CSS as an image and, yeah, resizing your images so that they're not huge images that you're uploading. Cool. So that'd be my one. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, images is, is always – it's an easy, quick win as well, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you can go through all the, the, the real technical stuff, but just be able to compress your images and optimize them effectively, I think always seems to have a really good impact uh, and on lowering uh, you know, the, your, your site speed and, and getting it quicker. Um, yeah. That wraps up uh, another episode of SEOology, where we talk about the formulas and strategies to increase your organic traffic leads and sales from your website we are also now just to let you know guys we are now available in audio form so if our faces insult you you can instead listen on uh we're on spotify uh we're on apple Podcasts, we're on google Podcasts. Uh, i think we're on a few other platforms as well but those are sort of the main three where you can listen uh and and and, and hear us uh, on the go, I guess, rather than uh, necessarily having to sit down and watch us. Maybe you prefer that, maybe you don't, I don't know. But the option is now out there uh, to listen to us, which which is great. Luke, where can the guys uh, find you um, if they're yep. looking to, uh, to you know, reach out and, and, and have a conversation? Yep, they can find me obviously on LinkedIn, Luke Jamison or websiteboss.com.au. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram as Website Boss as well. So easy to find us. Obviously, I'm Charles. Uh, you can find me, Charles L. Travers, on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Chief Lifestyle, where I sort of talk about uh, my journey and showcase my journey of working remotely in these strange times in different locations so if that interested you please give me a follow and uh, it would be really helpful guys if you could subscribe to my channel um, click the the notification button and that will uh, show up any future videos for you so um, but until next time peace out guys